Welcome to the Elijah Streams podcast. Our mission is to encourage you in your faith through a unique blend of patriotism and prophecy. And now here's your host, Steve Schultz. Good morning from the Pacific Northwest coast of the United States of America, state of Oregon. I'm Steve Schultz, founder of The Elijah List and Elijah Streams, along with my wife, Doreen, uh, from uh, my wife of 44 years, my bride. Uh, anyway, welcome to the broadcast. We are in Thanksgiving week. Uh, tomorrow's Thanksgiving Eve. Amazing how much time is flying. So uh, we're going to bring Johnny Enlow on, on, on here in just a second. We really don't have any preliminaries to do, just to make sure everyone knows who we are, where we are. And I just want to say very quickly, thank you so much for your support of this ministry. Because we're in the last six weeks of the of the year, uh, when this is year in giving, this is when a significant portion of our income comes in for the year is during these six weeks. So um, uh, forgive me if I remind you a few a few too many times, but uh, we have discovered that uh, people up to three days before uh, December 31, they will suddenly give. So I want to make sure you don't forget us. Uh, we're not too worried about it. God has been faithful to us, but just wanted to put that bug in your ear. Not that anybody ever needs a bug in their ear. I had that once. Very painful. So we're not going to put a bug in your ear. <laughs> anyway, welcome, welcome, welcome. We're going to bring Johnny Enlow. So and so without any further delay, here is Johnny Enlow Unfiltered. Here we go. 1349 hours declaring it a riot. My message hasn't changed. You are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. You must from now on target darkness in your society. We are almost there. The pain is for the awakening. The awakening is for your children. Well, good afternoon to you. Good morning to me. I guess it's 11 here and 2, two o'clock there. So, Johnny, we got two shows uh, today. Everyone knows what to kind of expect, uh, not as far as the teaching, but they know they know you. Talk about uh, Derek Johnson and what you and I are going to be doing this afternoon, would you? And why yeah. it's so important, if you will. Yeah, it is. Um, he's a voice um, that's probably many of you are familiar with as well. There was already... Was it a couple of weeks ago, Steve? Yeah. That he was, and it was a widely um, viewed episode of Prophets and Patriots. If that's, uh, I can't yeah. remember. Yeah, Patriots Prophets Prophet. first, Prophets and then Patriots. Yep. And um, it is, uh, he clearly has some important insights, connections for us. And particularly, we didn't need him to repeat what he said last time, but there is a great interest on what are the, the comms the communication, the hidden communication that could have been being made by President Trump when he was making that announcement November 15th. And um, it really is um, very, very insightful. We really are in a, a covert situation worldwide and in our nation, there's a covert military operation. And so um, it's just interesting to hear what might be going on that, um, is not the, the obvious uh, obvious uh, takeaway from there are a lot a, a lot of people were down even almost depressed because they were Trump uh, President Trump kept saying this is going to be historic paraphrasing in my language yeah, right. he, he he built it and built it built it up for a week and then when it happened it was just like I'm running and people go what and Tarina and I looked at each other and said is that it but what we didn't realize is. He was talking in code all the way through. 
And this is what Derek is going to say. He's going to decode what Trump was actually doing. You know, he, seeming, he seemingly seemed demure and, and laid back almost too soft, almost too, almost like he was discouraged. But while he, he was doing that, uh, he was delivering a message. So that's going to be fun. That's, by the way, at 4 o'clock Pacific uh, today, not, not our normal afternoon show, 4 o'clock. So in the, in the East Coast, it'll be 7 o'clock tonight when that comes on. So. Yeah, and I know we heard, I think, something in that direction from uh, the person. ST, STNN, right? And this is probably as good a time as any, Steve, just to bring up. We know there's been there's a couple of concerns that people have. They will send in uh, primarily uh, about SGNOM that he might have some uh, beliefs on some other things that aren't you know congruent with a a Bible thumping believer. They didn't say that a Bible thumping believer. Some might say what well, Derek occasionally let some language out, and and uh, our perspective. I think we've shared this before with people, but you cannot, um, that's why it's patriots and prophets, prophets and patriots, which should say that we understand they're patriots and they have information that is helpful where we've uh, not only have we been saying, but it's pretty abundantly clear that we've been being uh, drummed with fake news um, for forever and ever and ever. And so what is, what's in quote mainstream media narrative is not it. And so we want to hear from those who are, they're patriots. They're they're literally they they uh, they love what what is good. Uh, they're God fearing to the best of what we can tell. And you know there are so many issues. Uh, I think I had written down. You know, people can be wrong on what really happened on nine one one. They can be wrong on who shot J, uh, JFK. They can be wrong on did we land on the moon? Is the Earth globe? Is it flat? Is it some in between combination? Something. Are there some kind of reptilian uh, humans? Because oh, right, yeah, some of that's going around too. And well, and so there's people. Just so you understand, uh, there is what we the uh, best what we can know. I don't know the answers for sure. I lean towards something in all these. Yeah, um, but I, as you know, you have to be uh, open for information and truth to come out, and so. If, if SGNON has some perspective on there that you think is not congruent with the scripture, um, I'm not sure on any of those where the scripture really tells us what could be or, you know, the scripture doesn't really tell us about 911 other than Psalms 91.1. He who dwells the secret place of the most high. Yeah. So I just think it's good for people to know that we can't, you know, it's just even in the body of Christ, prophets, there is variations of there's those who think Jesus is returning real soon. Those who think he's coming back uh, fairly soon. And we're telling you it's not that that's not yeah. the he's coming, but in a different way. And it doesn't mean for us to have divergent views on some of these that we can't. Um, well, and Johnny, we, uh, the, one of the comments that, that came and maybe a couple of these came, so, somebody found something that SGA believed and they said, if he's wrong on that, and he must be wrong on everything. That's a that's a false Ridiculous. argument. That's completely false. Uh, we 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 call it prophets and patriots. The prophets are the are, are the scriptural. We better be accurate with that to the best of our ability. But patriots, we're not asking them to sign a document on your your views on all these things. We're asking for the patriot side. I, I thought of a metaphor. If you've got a second, um, 
when I think Jesus Christ Superstar, I don't even know if that was a good play. I don't know if they made a movie of it, but you know, I watched the 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 series The Chosen. It's such an amazing, yeah. wonderful thing. Well, they hired actors, and one of them that walks around with Jesus uh, also now also is on. I won't name the program. But is on a, a a detective type, NCIS type of show. And she does not play a believer. In fact, she plays a lesbian. But she plays a wonderful, wonderful part in the in 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 the movie The Chosen. So she would be the like a like the Patriot. You know, she we need her contribution and the way she acts and really the anointing to act. We need that. But we're not taking our theology and life lessons from her. It's you know what, what's written. That would be my sort of yes. Exactly. And you can expand, you know, the concept, if you're wrong in one area, you're wrong in all areas. Now, that this is no judgment on the person who brought that up to us, but you can see that would really not work well in a marriage. Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> yeah come to think of it, if you're, <laughs> if you're wrong about the way you, that you hang the toilet paper, you're wrong on everything. Those clothes don't go together. I can't trust you for anything. Uh, those, yeah. You know, we have to, there, there is there is a place where someone's uh, credibility is so shot because, yeah, if, if there is evidence of any kind of uh, criminal behavior, someone's a, a murderer, a molester or anything else like that, we're not going to say, well, they can help us anyway. No. There's, there's a line you cross. Yeah. But there are so many issues right now that are uh, not clear and we've become awakened to the fact that we've been lied over and over and over and over on just about everything we assumed and so allowing everybody the process of, uh, you know, looking through uh, through things critically and what the evidence is. And we just need to be able to do that, particularly on all the matters that I was yeah. just bringing up. Yeah. Let me add this one other thing. I have, you know, we follow Patriot channels. I do. And I, I, I go through and a lot of them are on YouTube or Telegram or Rumble or different, even their own website. A lot of the Patriots who love Donald Trump, they think he hung the moon just like we do. They love conservative values just like we do. They want the deep state taken out because they know the deep state's evil just like we do. A lot of those patriots uh, totally believe in aliens. That's just a fact. A bunch of them do, and they hang out and talk about it. So that would be that would be an extreme. Now I don't know if this SG does, but I mean a lot of them do. And so we're, we again we bring the patriots on not for that stuff but for what for their approach, you know. Jesus said, "If they're not against me, they're for me," and and so we're bringing on people that are not against. And these people are not against God because most of them actually do talk. Um, they'll say, "Where well, I'm a spiritual," or they'll say, "They'll say Jesus one minute and they'll say the universe the next minute," and and uh, you know. So anyway, anything else? If someone seems to be an expert in their area, then we lean on them for the expertise they have in that area. It's just like if you go to a restaurant because a chef, a favorite chef of yours cooks there, you're not really asking him about his personal positions on all kinds of matters, political, moral, or anything. You just want to know, can he cook well? And so you go to the restaurant. Yeah. And by the way, I'm going to laugh as I say this. Please don't start writing and saying, Steve, there are aliens. Okay, that, that ship has sailed. <laughs> I have my position. It's okay if you believe that, okay? Yeah, uh, that opens up like a can oh, of no, worms. No can of worms. And yeah. um, I could, uh, yeah, 
Yeah, I know. We can, that would be the whole show. And then yeah. it would be 10,000 uh, critical comments. Oh, my goodness. No matter because there really are people on both sides and there's yeah. a reason and 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 all that. We'll, we'll, we'll leave the aliens for, for, for yeah. this time. And yeah. um, anyway, so... Steve, what I felt like I was supposed to do, what the Holy Spirit was leading me to do is kind of, it's a follow-up from last week where we laid out this, um, this kingdom of God time map and really used Daniel chapter 2, Daniel chapter, chapter 7, where he saw these, these four kingdoms, and then the kingdom that followed was the kingdom of God. And, and um, in it, you know, uh, in this kingdom of God narrative, we see that the kingdom gets set up by Jesus and he was the stone that the builders rejected. The scripture tells us that. And then it tells us there, um, this is just review from last week, that it grows into a mountain that fills the whole earth. Uh, Daniel 2, 35. Now, what you just take note uh, of, you know, what does believing this narrative do to other end times perspective? Because there is an under, there's, there are many who don't believe that the kingdom of God fills the whole earth mm. um, like a mountain, despite the fact that's specifically exactly what it says about this fifth kingdom that Daniel saw. And every other point he made was 100 uh, percent true. So where we want to jump today is into the presentation of the kingdom by Jesus and John the Baptist. I've gone in and out of some verses there in different programs before, but we want to lay this out as a real solid foundational teaching on the kingdom. And, and then I'm hoping uh, the Lord's had me looking into, and I've been looking into the quantum world really for about 15 years. And there's a real connection to understanding the invisible nature of the kingdom and what is talked about as the quantum world. And so it will go a little more into um, processing it from that perspective, but we want to go um, right into the presentation of Jesus by John the Baptist. And really, there's some foundations of the kingdom that are so important um, for us. And can I, it's, before you jump in, let me just do this one thing. I wanted to emphasize this because uh, be careful of how, what you understand about the kingdom. Kat Kerr talks about the kingdom age was launched about 2012, and multiple prophets have confirmed that. When the word was is kingdom, uh, don't mistake that for the kingdom, uh, for for um, millennium, the millennial kingdom, or isn't there another word, millennial kingdom, and maybe that's the one I'm looking for. Just don't don't mistake it. Just because it has the word kingdom, we're not talking about the millennial kingdom. We're talking about the kingdom age. Yeah, and we're, we've made the connection. We made it last week. This is the review part, but it's important foundation for it worth repeating. <clears throat> the Hosea 6-2 context that told us that after two days, um, he would revive us. And the two days, a day is as a thousand years. And on the third day, he would raise us up so that we could live. So there's kind of three stages. There's revive, be raised up, and that we might live. And that would be that we could demonstrate. In fact, I didn't go into it last week, but that word for live is uh, a Hebrew word uh, spelled H-A-Y-A, but it's pronounced like Kaya. Mm-hmm. And it means to live prosperly, prosperously, to be restored in life and health. Um, and so the understanding was that this kingdom of God that Daniel saw, 
this stone that would absolutely devastate the image that we talked about, that this kingdom of God finishes splattering into rubble, into dust, and then nothingness, this image that Nebuchadnezzar saw. So to remind you, what was the, the, the image Nebuchadnezzar saw? Uh, it was an antichrist image. It was a huge uh, image. Uh, and and, he, and no other one was ever seen by him or by anyone else. And, and it was the ruling empire of the moment, the Babylonian empire. So that was number one. And that was the head. And it, he saw that it was gold. And then there was the Mede-Persian. That was the next section. And then the Greek. And then you get down to the the feet, that was the Roman. So there were four empires and we brought up that the Roman empire properly understood. If you properly understand this mixing of uh, combining aligning of the bankers in the Vatican has been in existence till right now, actually. And so this is what's being uh, splintered. This is what's being um put into rubble and into dust. And then ultimately, according to Daniel, there will be no trace of it at all. So we want to understand this. This is one image. This is an antichrist image. Uh, the gold of Babylon would speak of it's an economic system. The, uh, the Persian aspect, there would be an occult because there was a strong occult. Well, all four of them had strong occult presence in some way or another. Uh, the humanism, the rationalism of Greek uh, of, of the Greek empire, we understand that humanism dominates the education system, even uh, uh, since those days, really, from the Greek philosophers. And, and it's what Jesus was born into is the Greek philosophers. We'll hit that more in just a second. And then the cultural control of the Roman Empire. Theirs extended on. It said he, this was different than the other ones. This had more power. It had more subtlety. And they had a big mouth, so they knew how to take over the media, the narrative. And this is how they have operated for uh, the multiple centuries, a cultural control uh, in, in Romans time. In the Romans time, they would create the roads, the monies, the holidays, the symbolism. It was understood that you had to bring that to the people in, in order to properly take over them from a cultural standpoint. They were the inventors of the terminology apostle. An apostle was a Roman military leader who would come into a taken over territory and make sure that the culture, they become culturified into Rome by taking over all these things. Again, the roads, the monies, the symbols, the holidays. And we see that. that that's interesting that you say that, Johnny, because I, I went to... Uh, all the way through Christian University, and no one ever said, no one ever taught. I went to multiple high-level Bible colleges, and no one ever said the word apostle was used already before Jesus used it. He just grabbed it. I mean, that's very identifying about what it even means. Yeah. Well, it was, he used a word that was known, but only militarily. Yeah. And only in regards to culture, he did not, it was not a religious word. We think when Jesus says apostle, it resonates as a spiritual word. It was not a spiritual word. That's why it was shocking. And um, the same thing with uh, the word he used for ecclesia, church. Um, the word I will build my ecclesia. He did not say I will build my synagogue. I will build my temple. I will mm. build my ecclesia. That was also not a religious word, a religious terminology. This was a civic 
coming together of the leaders of a community to discuss. They would come out. The ek means come out of their houses and gather around to go through the challenges of their community and how they wanted to take take care of the challenges and how do they want to improve their society. So this is this becomes an important understanding of the kingdom, major understanding of the kingdom, even as we're just entering into uh, this this discussion. And we understand that that Roman uh, that Roman Empire's uh, the strategy of bringing culture of of taking over everything that would influence culture is exactly what this present ruling Luciferian system on the planet Earth has done. They have taken over the tops of the seven mountains. And so they have taken over uh, the indoctrination of society through mm. the echo chamber of media, all coordinating their conversations and their talking points for the day. Mm. And that 90 something percent of all the media of the whole world has been involved in that. And then that takeover. So we are in the midst of now the kingdom of God uh, blasting in, and again, for more details on that aspect, that's from that's from last week. And it's very important. Many people have said it was the most important um, right. message that I've given. So we're going to, you know, and the one this afternoon with uh, Derek Johnson, we're going to hit more into the practical intel, we'll say. But this is the spiritual dynamic that's even greater than that. This is this is the the overriding meta narrative of what's taking place in our day uh, right now. So. We want to, I want to take you to um, Matthew chapter 3, and we're going to start with uh, verse 1, and we're going to run through some scriptures in a fast way, because I have to do, this is going to be a, a speed version of laying this foundation of the kingdom, because if we're saying we're entering the kingdom age, and the kingdom age is this Hosea 6 to third day, when we are raised up, and when we live before him, in other words, where we demonstrate the kingdom on earth, as it is in heaven. This is that day. We're not talking about the, the millennium. We're not waiting for anything else to happen because the only thing that had to happen, according to Daniel, was the stone had to come in and bash the foundation of this Roman thing. And then there would be a progressive unveiling of this kingdom. And on the third day, in the beginning of the third thousand year, the third day, this is what we're in now, beginning after the second millennium, after the year 2000, we are in that uh, vicinity of time where it, it is prophesied with clarity by Daniel, where we're going to see this kingdom of God now, not just being a revival state, not just sort of surviving, but it would be in this prospering uh, promised land stage of, of timetable. And this is where we're at right now. This is the narrative that's being warred against even within the church. And this is the narrative that's being warred against by the enemy in a big way because he would prefer God's people just think, no, 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 it's all over. We're just waiting for Jesus to zap us out of here. Mm. We've been hanging on. It's been miserable for two days. So on the third day, he takes us. No, it's a little bit challenging and miserable for two days. On the third day, he raises us up to be That's strong, rise, shine. So the raise is, up does not mean rapture up. No, okay. it was raised up to be in a prosperous place. So, how did Jesus uh, introduce the kingdom? Well, first, we'll, we'll tell briefly about the man who introduced uh, Jesus, which was John the Baptist. And Matthew chapter 3, verse 1, in those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So 
he begins his announcement by saying this Greek word, repent. It's not Greek when I say repent, but the Greek word is metaneo, metanoia, different extensions of the same word for different ones of you. It means it can mean repent, but not in the way you think, man, you better repent. And, and it's not just saying sorry. It's changing the way you think, which is supposed to be the foundation of saying you're, you're sorry. It was also a military term, metanoia, metaneos. You're marching and it's about face. And so mm-hmm. repent, metaneos, go in the opposite direction. And, okay. and just to give you some understanding on that word uh, repent that ex- exists beyond, beyond that, because it's, it's worth noting, this is how the kingdom was announced. First, John the Baptist, and then we'll see later in just a few verses that when Jesus comes, the first thing out of his mouth is repent, the kingdom is at hand. He will say the same thing. They will both announce the same reality. And so they they weren't telling the people in mass, you all need to say you're sorry for your sins because the boss is here now. That wasn't the application. The application is your whole paradigm, your way of thinking is not congruent with what is reality. The thinking of the day had to change. And so what was the thinking of the day? Well, basically there's two aspects. I generally highlight the Greek philosophers, which was kind of the high intellectualized, there is no supernatural realm. This is at the high level. It's like there really isn't the supernatural world. Uh, The invisible realm does not exist, probably doesn't exist, depending Mm -hmm. on who's speaking it. But they said, but if it does, it is subservient to the visible. So that's what dominated at the intellectual level is essentially stuff that would feed into atheism, agnosticism, and, and you know, there really isn't a God. But there's kind of this underlying second tier in, in Greek, uh, in the Greek culture. And that was about, you know, the, the mythology of the Greek gods. Mm. And so these were these supernatural beings with kind of horrible human drives. They had horrible sexual appetites. They were murdersome. Uh, You know, they were vengeful, tyrannical, over-sexualized. And these were the gods. And so Jesus and John both came in saying, hey, whether you are one of the dead in the heads intellectuals or whether you're one of the twisted, spiritually twisted and deceived regarding the mythological Greek gods, Metaneo, you better change the way you think. The actual realm of heaven is here, and it's going to be revealed to you, and it's entirely different than either one of those. It's neither of those. There was actually, we actually know there's a third group of people that needed to have the repentance. So you had the Greek philosophers, the intellectuals, the people themselves, or it included sometimes the intellectuals that believed in the mythological superstitions. But then there's the Jewish religious leaders, which were the Pharisees, the high priests, and they were all about rules and more rules and then more rules. And so all three were darkness. All three were a distortion of reality. So that's why it was appropriate. He's bringing the kingdom. The first thing he's got to say is like, you better change your paradigm. Repent. You just better change the way you think. I'm about to show you something Uh, about my kingdom. And it's not just you're going to have to watch me for a long time. I'm going to show you how the invisible realm rules in the visible realm. The invisible rules over it. It rules in it and over it. It is not subservient to it. It's not Mm -hmm. like, does it exist? I'm going to prove to you all those things. So 
here we go with, we're going to run through these scriptures with that foundation. We see that uh, John's the first one that announces it. And as soon as he announces it, it, then Jesus shows up. This is a point we continually make as well. So John says, repent, the kingdom is at hand. And the person who shows up is Jesus. So I said, I thought you said the kingdom was here. Is it the king or the kingdom? A point we make regularly is the king and the kingdom come together. A big error we do today, even some do, is to emphasize one or the other. It's either it's just a transaction with the king. You don't need to do anything, interact with anything, understand anything about the rule and reign of God on earth. Just have, you know, go in your closet, say the sinner's prayer and just wait till it all ends. And so it's you and the king, nobody else or those who will only emphasize the principles of the kingdom. And so here's kingdom principle, kingdom principle, kingdom principle, even kingdom principles of justice, but you don't really have a connection to the king. Mm. You're talking kingdom, the king and the kingdom come together. If you announce the kingdom, the king comes. If you announce the king, the kingdom comes. That reality needs to uh, register with us today. And as part of the pain of the moment we're experiencing is so we'll embrace a king who comes with a kingdom and who wants that kingdom demonstrated in front of everyone. He doesn't just want to save souls while his kingdom has no uh, evidence of prospering over darkness. He wants his kingdom to have been evidenced as a shining example before the peoples on the world. It was Jesus uh, instructive Uh, directive for us as to how to pray pray your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven the way things function in heaven let that come here on earth the way government functions in heaven let that manifest here the way the family of heaven the family of god manifests in heaven let that show up here the way communications works in heaven let that show up here the way education in heaven shows up let that show up here, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So this is when we're talking about we're going into the kingdom age. This is what we're talking about. Demonstration time, third day demonstration time for the kingdom of God as a functional reality that can eradicate, evict darkness and showcases God's better way of doing things on planet Earth. Thanks for listening. The Elijah Streams podcast is made possible by donations like yours. To become a partner, go to ElijahStreams.com slash give. So we see then that Jesus shows up in Matthew chapter 4. And, uh, you know, he is uh, in Matthew chapter 3. John the Baptist then baptizes him. The Holy Spirit descends like a dove. And it says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Why was he well pleased? In the Son of God, because there's now going to be a demonstration of the kingdom of God, the distortion that has been taking place. Again, we're giving you three different lines of thought, the way the people would think the mm-hmm. paradigms. You have the Greek mythological, you have the philosophers, the Greek philosophers, and you have this religious Phariseeism that exists as the, the breed of religiosity. All three of them are just different distortions of darkness. And so when Jesus comes in Matthew chapter 4. He's led by the Holy Spirit to be tempted 40 days by the devil. And in verse 8, it tells us at that third temptation that Satan showed him the kingdoms of this world and their glory. So we understand he didn't show him the souls of Israel, the souls of Jerusalem. They weren't bartering over souls. They were bartering over kingdoms. He showed him the kingdoms of this world 
These I will give to you. Yeah. These I will give to you if you will bow down, if you fall down and worship me. And, and so the, the main point there is that we understand that the kingdoms that were lost, the rule and authority that was lost in the garden, because that's what, what took place. Adam and Eve, we do believe, are in heaven, that they didn't lose their souls, but they did lose authority. They did lose authority to showcase the kingdom of God in a pure way on planet Earth because of their sins. And so this is what um, what happened. And then let's look at verse um, in Matthew chapter 4. I love the way it, it says it. It's right after... In verse 12, now when Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he departed to Galilee. So when he hears that John has been put in prison, he knows it's time. It's amazing. It just occurred to me now how we're always like, when is it? When is it? What's the time? Uh, what's the time frame? Jesus himself, he's been given not a date, but something that must happen first. What must happen this is the trigger point. This is when you know your ministry is to yeah, start. And for those who remember, Kat says all the time, God doesn't go by time. He goes by events. So There's the event. Yeah, Jesus, is the event. Start, Jesus is going to start his ministry, not because it's, you know, whatever fourth of this day, seventh of this, eleventh. No, he's not looking at that. It's when Jesus hears that John has been put in prison, he knows that this is unto death, that the he who is the precursor, the announcer of Jesus is now moved on. That means he's next. And so this is an important as it relates to, yeah, this whole prophetic dialogue and interaction and learning experience. Many are going through um, at this time is that this is this is the way um, heaven functions, essentially. And then they often end up turning out to be some uh, phenomenal date as as well. But it doesn't operate that well. So Jesus heard that John had been put. In prison, he departs Galilee and leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum, which is by the sea in the regions of Zebulun and Naphtali, that it might be fulfilled what was spoken by Isaiah, the prophet, saying the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, beyond the Jordan. It's giving us a calm from heaven, a communications from heaven beyond the Jordan. What's beyond the Jordan? Promised land. Jesus is here. Now, it's no longer just survival time, the 40 years in the wilderness. It is now time for the kingdom of God to be advanced and showcased that we might live before him this kind of way. Verse 16, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And upon those who sat in the region in shadow of death, light has dawned. So we understood that they were exposed to just different variations of darkness that I already pointed out to you. In verse 17, then Jesus shows up. From that time, Jesus began to preach and say, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I, and on Johnny, on that one scripture, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, is he saying repent for your sins or just turn around and do? we're about to do everything different? Is this a call to, to pray for forgiveness for the sins? What, you know, it's what we're telling you. It's that metaneo. It's repent. Change the way you're thinking. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Again, this was a discussion that existed. Does the invisible weak kingdom of heaven, we're used to it being a spiritual term. But for their conversation, does the invisible realm even exist? Yeah. It was a debated reality. And he's like, 
it not only exists, it's here. And I'm going to show you it rules as well. And so from that time forward, Jesus begins to preach and say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. <clears throat> so we're seeing that to begin his ministry, before we even hear about signs and wonders and miracles, it is he wants people to understand whatever paradigm you've been operating by before, you better get rid of it. It's kingdom time. Wow. There's an application of that that is presently our reality right now. Whatever reality you think has been in operation, it, it's, it ceases to exist now. It bows to the kingdom narrative, the kingdom of God on the earth, activated through his sons and daughters. So Jesus, it tells us, Jesus is led by the spirit. Uh, well, uh, I'm going to skip that part. Go to verse 17. Repent. The kingdom of heaven is here. He calls the disciples. And then verse 23. And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Back to this thing, the gospel of the kingdom. The word gospel, evangelios, means the good news of the kingdom. So the kingdom is good news. So, uh, you know, that's why it would be weird. It's like, repent, and there's good news. It's like, you better change the way you're thinking, change the way you've been processing, because there's some really good news here. This wasn't a judgment message. This wasn't a get your act together. I'm about to uh, throw lightning bolts on all of you. That wasn't the focus at all. And he preached the gospel of the kingdom. So he's preaching this good news and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. Then his fame went throughout all Syria. They brought to him all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments and those who were demon-possessed, epileptics and paralytics, and he healed them. And great multitudes followed him from Galilee and from Decapolis, which means ten cities, Jerusalem, Judea, and beyond the Jordan. So this is the explosion of the kingdom of God on earth. This is the fulfillment of what we started, what we were reading last week when we were reading Daniel, when he saw this stone that came and hit the foundation of the Roman Empire and began to crush it and ultimately throws it into smithereens. That's why I say we have to give it a, a, three day, a third day timetable when it actually does prosper at the top level. But Jesus devastated it. He began, he took out the underpinnings just with the reality of who he was and of how his kingdom was. And so the people who sat in darkness now see this great light and, and so the king in his order, in his way of doing things, his practical solutions in society, not just kingdom principles, again, we're telling you, not just raising your hand for a savior. I would like to be sure I go to heaven one day. That wasn't Jesus. That wasn't what he was bringing. His manifestation of the kingdom was something that was to function on earth and show the supremacy of God with solutions and presence uh, for every need here on, on the earth. Okay. Um Again, not just a personal Jesus, your own little pet Jesus you have in your closet just for you and nobody else and nothing else matters. That means you don't really understand the king because the king and his kingdom come together. Think of, you know, now that we're in the Christmas season, the, the candy canes that are red and white together. Uh, you don't separate the red, the red from the white. You don't can separate I, Jesus. Can, can I clarify that? Excuse, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Can you just clarify that one thing you said? I, you know, I can't quote you exactly, but not just you and your, you're not saying, are you, that people cannot have their personal relationship with Jesus 
and the kingdom operating in them one-on-one with Jesus. You're not saying that's not, because you, you were trying to make a wider point, but doesn't, if I, if I have a profound personal relationship with Christ, can he and I operate in the kingdom and do profound works? Uh, it's just not us alone that, that, that my life is going to consist of. What's your thoughts? Well, what I'm saying is this, that it was, he was, it was never designed. If, if the question you're asking is, can you have just do the sinner's prayer and it count? Yes. No, no, that's not the question. I'm, I'm talking about you and I, born again, spirit-filled Christians who have spiritual, uh, personal lives with Christ, intimate times with Christ. When we do that, first of all, that, that still exists. And second of all, I can awake from that, not awake, but I can rise up from that and begin to operate in kingdom principles and in the kingdom before I ever meet my first person outside the house, right? You're not saying it doesn't operate because it sounded like you were saying it's not just you and the Lord. It's not you and the Lord. It's something bigger. It's and I'm just saying, can it, be, can it be both and is what I guess I'm asking. Well, rather than, uh, in, in a way, yes. But what we're saying is it was never designed for you just to be able to take him as your pet personal Jesus that you have a relationship with that no, that affects nothing else in life that no not at all yeah of course that's that that if you understand that he's a king that comes with a kingdom it means he's a king that comes with his way of doing things and so you must embrace both now can you have a, a prayer and make a prayer that counts for eternity i'm sure it does but you just missed the whole purpose of your part your role you are the light of the world. He, and that's what we're going to get to in just yeah, a moment. I mean, can, I mean, can I do drill down just a little bit more? Pardon me. I just want to make sure we get this. I can have a personal prayer. I can have devotions. It can be alive and personal and intimate and even powerful. If I arise from that empowered and go out and begin ministering to the poor, just me and them, they're still operate. That's that's an example of operating in the kingdom, right? both end both the personal relationship and going out and doing the works yeah <laughs> i must there must be a point i'm missing that you're real you're trying to make it you're saying it's more it's designed for well part of it steve it's going to be sometimes you're ahead of that you're asking questions i'm going to get to okay uh, um it's that's, still, never, that's never happened before. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. And so I still okay. want it. It's okay. still important. So the important part of the processing right now, the king comes with his kingdom. Okay. And so there's both. You must accept both. You accept his way of doing things and you accept that personal transaction. He is your personal savior. The blood of Jesus pays the price for you. All the beauty of personal salvation, that's the part we've known how to celebrate, just to make for clarity's sake. We've known how to celebrate the pre- the personal transactional aspect of Jesus. Yeah. Just get on your knees wherever you are, receive Jesus. It's true. It exists. It's been a truth. It has been sort of like hopping on one leg or like I say, a candy cane without two colors, but one color. Mm. We know the king, but we haven't known about his kingdom. And we don't understand that. When he's introduced, John the Baptist won't say, repent, the king is here. He says, repent, the kingdom is here. When Jesus shows up, he doesn't say, repent, 
the king is here. Repent. The kingdom is here. Mm. It just goes together. The king and the kingdom come together. This is the new revelation for our day, for the church, for the body of Christ. The king and the kingdom come together. They have objectives on earth beyond saving souls. They yeah. have objectives on earth beyond you people just saying the sinner's prayer. Crusades are not the end goal. That's a good step. You get more people connected to purpose, but the purpose is to receive the kingdom, showcase the kingdom. And Daniel saw this all the way in Daniel chapter two, a kingdom comes and this kingdom shatters this antichrist beast that has operated for thousands of years. And this antichrist beast is in the process of being decimated. That's the real narrative of what's taking place right now. That's what's going on behind the scenes. And, and however, it's, it's going into the big picture a little bit. of We can be strengthened by it. So that way we're not kind of blow by blow every week. Did it happen? Did It's like it's happening. We're in part of it. There's people that can give us some natural insights on how this kingdom is, is, uh, is, is spreading. But this is, this is the narrative that we are to embrace and that we are to understand at this time. So Jesus now has... Um, he has this multitude following him. Now we're at the famous Matthew chapter five reality. Mm. And, and this is the God of the universe making his first pronouncements of philosophy, agenda, etc. Because up to this point, the only thing that's been written is been men inspired by the Holy Spirit. We have not heard from God himself and Jesus is fully God. And so we are finally going to hear the agenda of God himself the philosophy of God himself. The only mm. thing he's told everybody so far is like, hey, you better change the way you think. I have an invisible kingdom and it rules and reign in your visible kingdom. And they didn't have to keep the arguments going. That's part we could point out because the reason they're following him and even 10 cities in Judea and Syria, thousands upon thousands on thousands are following him because this was not one of these they, they were used to in that day, having false messiahs. There was a messianic culture for a long time in Israel. This is the Messiah. And if he had certain signs and wonders and tricks, um, then they would follow him for, for a while. And then they figured, ah, it was, you know, it was a David Copperfield magician trick. And so it, it wasn't the real deal. Jesus was different. He said, now, first of all, if you think your visible realm rules, I'm just going to prove to you my realm rules. For instance, blind men, your eyes are open in Jesus name. Then he speaks to the man who can't hear, ears be opened, the paralytic. That's what it tells us. Those are the verses we just we just read. He had authority over demons. He had authority over blind eyes, over deaf ears, over dried up bones. He just spoke a word and he proved he proved his initial uh, discourse. He proved his, uh, his initial pronouncement. And this was so different for that culture. That was an arguing culture. The Greek culture that they came out of was a very heady and then silver tongue culture where they would have the two or three different positions come and speak before the people and the people would, you know, check with their brain and think who made most sense. Jesus like, here is what I'm telling you. My kingdom, my invisible kingdom is real and alive and it has authority over every area in your kingdom. And then mm. he proved it. And then he okay. proved it. And so that's why they're following him. And people would say, no, is this another one of those fake ones? It's like, no, 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 no. My cousin was blind. He can see now. My aunt was full of demons. She has no demons now. Word was getting out. No, there was a king. 
and his kingdom, and they were real. They, th- this was not pretend. This was not an idea. This was not a philosophy to be debated. This was the explosion. This was the stone that Daniel saw that came and crushed the Roman Empire. And it began to do so from the moment Jesus began to say, repent, the kingdom of God is here. So we go to um, Matthew chapter five. And so he has the multitudes. He went up on a mountain because they're now following him. Tens of thousands are following him. And, 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 and he goes up on the mountain because he wants them to be able to hear. And they are, uh, they are going to you know, stay with them. For those who've seen Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, red letter edition, that means Jesus is speaking. And though they wanted to be healed, it wasn't all. They wanted to know what was his thinking? What's his paradigm? What's his philosophy? What's his religion? What is this? We have never seen anything. How does this man have mm. this sort of... Uh, 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 how does he have this authority? But what's what's the line that accompanies it? What's the storyline? So they're going to sit with him patiently and not move for hours mm. as he tells them things on the kingdom of God. This mm. was the kingdom of God announced on earth. And seeing the multitudes, he went up on a mountain. And he, when he was seated, his disciples came to him. And then he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. And what we want to understand, when he said, blessed are the poor in spirit, the poor in spirit are, wasn't just poor, because everybody was poor. It was a very uh, broken time in society, and there's the elite that are wealthy, and then just about everybody else is poor. But it's blessed are the poor in spirit, those of you who know you are needing more, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And mm. so this was something that uh, set him apart from the magicians the fake messiahs that would that would come in because they would come in and never tell the source of their power. They would never tell. It was never something to be shared with the people. And of course, because it never was really power, it was always mm. uh, a distortion. And so this this hit them like an atomic bomb. We're used to reading these things religiously. Blessed are the poor in spirit for mm-hmm. theirs is the kingdom of God. But he said, bless. He's saying to them, blessed are you who are hungry for more. You know, there's more. And I want to tell you this, this kingdom I'm telling you about is for you. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This invisible realm that has authority over sickness, disease, demons, this kingdom will heal everything. It will heal people. It will heal bones. It will heal eyes. It will heal ears. It will heal villages. It will heal cities. It will heal nations, essentially, is what he'll end up telling them. So this was... An, expl- an explanation that was an explosion for, for the people. You who are poor in spirit, yours is this kingdom. Not just a magician, but it's for you. I'm not just a magician who does tricks. I want you to operate in everything that I'm operating in. We, that gets proven over and over in the messaging that he brings forth in subsequently throughout uh, the Gospels. Then the next verse, verse 4. And I'll keep looking at the time. Yeah, we're good. Uh, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. This was also a message specifically to uh, those that were his crowd. And again, everything about it was uh, about him was so relevant. The kingdom of God is, if anything, it is 100% relevant. And it's 100% relevant to 100% of the people, to those in need and those who are in greed, those who are mm. ruling the elite and to the poor 
it has absolute relevance um, for everyone. And he's and he's he's made this declaration. This kingdom I'm telling you about and that I just showcased before you that has authority over demons and every kind of sickness, disease. It's for you. Then he says, hey, those of you who mourn, blessed are those who mourn. They will be comforted. He's like, OK, I know there's other kinds of pain. There's there's it's not just that you're suffering economic uh, pain. It's not just you're suffering other kind, but you are, especially the Jews, they were an oppressed people. They were in slavery essentially, and their sons and daughters were being taken by the Romans and, mm. and, and their daughters were being mistreated. Their sons were being taken to war. There was a lot of pain, a lot of emotional pain. He's like, some of you are saying, okay, I understand your kingdom has power over sickness and disease and demons, but what about our heart? We're hurt. We're, we're, we're wounded. What, what about that? His next statement is, hey, this kingdom I'm presenting to you, it brings comfort. And he's also kind of giving another hidden calm, these communications from heaven. They shall be comforted. Remember the name of the Holy Spirit when he announced him later on? That's he said he, the comforter. So he's telling him, yeah, you're going to be comforted. The Holy Spirit's going to be sent. And he's going to be made available to every single one of you. So the declaration of the kingdom was an amazing thing. That's good. And, yeah, it's 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 so good, Steve. Well, I, and in that part that you just said, it's kind of fun, uh, frankly, because we were just talking about the calms that President Trump was given. And <laughs> now you're back. We're back in scripture and say Jesus was giving calms all along, right? Exactly. And we're digging them out right now. We're digging out his calms. It, it is. It's just right there, just hanging yeah. for us. That so good. So my good. kingdom. Because my kingdom brings the other part of the Trinity as well, brings the Holy Spirit. And he will be your comforter. Then he yeah. goes to verse five. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Now, that word meek, it really it, it speaks of, if you understand it, what it would have meant for the locals, the language he used. Blessed are you who care. You who have a sensitive spirit. You who care about things. Mm. And he's basically saying this is why you're here, because you care about things. You, you haven't, you know, that's why you're following me. That's why you're listening. You got a little bit of hope and you care about things. And that's so he says, blessed are the meek. I'll, this kingdom, this kingdom that I want to give to you, this will help you inherit your cities, your towns. You shall inherit the earth. Now, you have to understand. Uh, let me just read that one more time. Again, we take away, we have to strip it from religiosity because we've heard it that way so much. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Now, this is his first crowd. This is the first time he is speaking to the multitudes. And before he's ever going to tell them about inheriting heaven, he's talking to them about inheriting the earth. This is something the original messaging of Jesus is we've lost it. So we're trained and taught. I've done that before. I've done crusades where thousands were saved. And and I present to them and, and there's aspects of it that are fine. Like, you know, tonight, if you died, you know where you're going. So it's all about preparing for the future, preparing for the future, preparing for the future. You want to go to heaven. You want to go to heaven. And so we have this thing. You just need to make sure you're going to heaven. But Jesus, we're going to find out as he shows up, he announces his kingdom and then he shows his passion. His passion is not getting these people into heaven. Yeah, I mean, Johnny, that's so pivotal. I mean, the, the ultimate quintessential person we point to is Johnny, is uh, Billy Graham. And we say, you can imagine his reward in heaven. Look at the thousands, that maybe millions that came to the Lord. And you're saying, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm hearing you say, yes, this is good. 
this is important. Um, it, it, it occurs to me that Jesus didn't say, go into all the world and, and make converts. He said, go into all the world and make disciples, which is kind of a different thing, isn't it? It's like, you know, yeah. kingdom students, the way I would read it. Yeah. And let me, let me just follow up on this right where I left off. There. Yeah. That's correct. What you're, you're saying, inheriting the earth, your kingdom coming. We, we'll find out later. We won't get there, but you'll understand. It's just the next chapter, verses 9 and 10. He says, when you pray, pray this way. Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth. Will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're speaking into dynamics of the kingdom. We're not speaking into dynamics of transactional experiences where you get saved. And again, we're not knocking that. We're just saying that's a starting. That's a one. That's a one leg. You know, that's one leg. The other leg is you got to walk. Uh, you know, if we if we think of I'm, I'm saying this thing of two legs, we're, we're not knocking your personal salvation. Are, are you saying that the salvation part? Are you saying that the salvation part is the easy part? Well, I'm not saying that it's but it is uh, it, it, it's 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 sort of like it's why it's called being born again, born of the kingdom. So born into the kingdom and being born is never the goal. It's it's a start. It's a start. That's 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 it. And so uh, and this is the part what we're, we're learning for today is that we're learning to, to value when he says inherit the earth. Here's another point that's missed. Inherit is for how long? Inherit is for forever, especially if God tells you and he's God in the flesh. He didn't say blessed are the meek for they shall have a good lease on the earth. He didn't say lease. It's an inheritance. Now, I understand the glory hitting the earth and there's a new earth, a new heaven, a new earth that comes and it's, it's some something happens. But we know by this, he intends for us to be connected and committed to this earth in, in, a, in a long term way, because he says, I want to help you. His first message is I want to help you inherit this earth. So the earth, there's a way it gets to Habakkuk 2.14. The whole earth is filled with the knowledge of the glory of God as the waters cover the sea. The Daniel 2, the verse we're telling you about where the stone takes out the Roman Empire, takes out the whole Antichrist beast. And this kingdom fills the whole earth like a mountain. So we're, we're, we're putting, uh, uh, you know, dimensions of manifestation of this kingdom that are expected both by the prophesier Daniel and then this next person who is the Messiah himself, Jesus says this, you are to look at earth as something to be inherited, not as disposable garbage, not as a disposable temporary anything. Now, and that, again, that flies in the face of a whole lot of emphasis that comes out. And that's where we've been deceived. That's where we've been muted. That's where our, our passion for the kingdom narrative has been, uh, you know, uh, hit in a big way by this prevailing teaching in eschatology uh, that has us just contending to escape and to think, yeah. no, we just care about inheriting heaven. We don't care about earth. And I just want this. I know it's uncomfortable. Some people, I feel it, but I feel like the Holy Spirit has me staying on it. Blessed are the meek. They shall inherit the earth. He has not yet talked to this people about inheriting heaven. He has not yet talked to them on how they can spend eternity with the father. He's telling them about his kingdom, 
The power in his kingdom is power to heal anything and everything. And he's looking for sons and daughters to cooperate with him in advance with him in that. Help Elijah Streams continue to reach people around the world. All donations go toward making Elijah Streams and the Elijah Streams podcast possible. Visit ElijahStreams.com slash give and become a partner today. And then the next verse, we're going to just do like one more of these uh, Beatitudes for time's sake. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Now, yeah, keep that scripture up for a moment. That word righteousness, again, is sometimes a religious word. What is righteousness? Is that good behavior? Yes, I'm tired of people misbehaving. Is that what he's really saying? Well, it comes out clear in Spanish. Even uh, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for justicia, spelled like justice. It's this is those who hunger and thirst for justice. They shall be satisfied. They shall be filled. He's speaking to a real felt need. Again, he comes to where the people are. They are poor. They're not highly educated, most of them. They are in despair. It's not an easy life. And he's like, listen, I know y'all are desperate for justice. I know uh, you're wondering, well, okay, your kingdom will heal people. Your your kingdom will cast out demons. uh, your, Your kingdom will heal our wounds um, and you want to help us inherit our cities and nations, but will will this kingdom you're bringing, will this kingdom, wh- what about justice? We have no justice. And the injustice of that day was immense. If you understand, like I said, they would take their sons uh, for the military. They would take their daughters and, and do whatever uh, they want. Just uh, the, the, the justice was, uh, you know, we, we understand justice that's um, been tainted in our day, but mm. if it can imagine it it was even worse in that day but this still because of the fact that it is presently applicable for us he is telling us hey you hunger and thirst for justice this because this is it was then but it's now he's always a then and now uh, uh god his kingdom is then and now and so he's like those who hunger and thirst for justice listen you're going to be satisfied I, 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 my kingdom is here to help bring satisfaction for that desire Again, he wants to have he's looking for sons and daughters who to cooperate with, who to work with. And that's the point we have to get to and close with that, because that that's what what seals this in in the best ways. If we jump down, because there's some more of the Beatitudes and each one's an amazing um, uh, thing. But he gets to verse 13. And sometimes we don't understand this is part of the same message. This is the first message. This is the Magna Carta of heaven on earth. This is after the introduction, repent. The kingdom is here. And then you have the king and the kingdom and they come together. And again, it will be uh, later on in this same in chapter six. He will say, now seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. Seek first the kingdom of God. Another place it says you shall love the Lord your God with all your might first. So you go, Okay, well, which do we seek his kingdom? Do we seek the king? making this point over and over and over. When he says it, he means one in the same. You cannot seek the king. You're doing so. You're, you're trying to separate a reality. You're trying to separate the white from the red and the candy cane. That's a bad analogy, but it's the best thing that comes in that's my mind. That's analogy, really. That's good. The king and his kingdom, they come together. If you seek first the kingdom and you haven't thought of the king and his presence and his ability to heal everything in a practical way, to meet needs in a practical way, then you're not understanding the king or his kingdom. So what does he say? His first crowd, you 
are the salt of the earth. <clears throat> but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned that is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men? And we've spoken this so much, but it's worth re-saying. The salt, yeah, leave that scripture out there. You are the salt of the earth. He tells them, this first crowd, um, that they are the salt of the earth. And we as believers, we know, yes, we are the salt of the earth. And we say, okay, we're supposed to add a little flavor. No, the salt was understood to be so much more valuable in that day. It's what they paid the Roman legions with. It was, you know, it was a curative for many illnesses. It was how you preserved meat. There was no, you know, they didn't have refrigeration. So when he says, you are the salt of the earth, uh, how shall it be seasoned is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. He's like, you are the preservers and healers of your society. You are the preservers and healers of your society. It's good. And if you don't do that, if you only made a transaction, I made the prayer and that's it. I'm with Jesus one day. That's part I'm talking about. If you just personalize you and Jesus, a transaction, you and your closet, and there's no interactive dynamic with the world, he says, you're good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. And in a lot of ways, we could say a lot of the trampling we're experiencing across the earth is because this verse was not contextualized in a kingdom understanding. And so this is what the church did. The church didn't worry about anything other than being the salt in the salt shaker. So the salt shaker is the church. And so the church building, church dynamics, the church kingdom, the salt's in the salt. And so the salt's all there. But society is not being touched. And now when in the desperation, we're at the precipice of losing all of society, of seeing that they're trying to depopulate us to a half a billion people, uh, kill 70 to 90 percent of us. And they've been doing all kinds of harm to us. They, the Luciferians who have taken this message and said, OK, we're going to be the influencers at every level. And the salt doesn't come. It doesn't bring the influence of the kingdom here so we can advance. This is his first message. All right, let's go to the next verse. Blessed are those who hunger. Nah, that was uh, there we go. You are the light of the world, just in case they hadn't understood you are the salt of the earth in case they didn't get that. He was saying, wherever you don't show up, it's going to rot. And when it rots, it's going to trample you just in case they didn't get that. He says in another way, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. You cannot just have your personal little relationship with Jesus. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine in the closet. No, this little light of mine has to be something that operates at a citywide level, at a worldwide level, nor they, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all in the house. I got to get to that in a moment. So let your light shine before men so that they may see your good works and glorify your father in heaven. Nor do they light, I want to, uh, the verse 15, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but they put it on a lampstand. Now, especially that word lampstand, the moment he mentions the word lampstand, they understand the tabernacle. And this is one of the key items within the tabernacle was a lampstand. It had seven branches, a seven branch candlestick. And he says, the light that you must showcase is not just a light that, well, I'm going to share my testimony. This is a light so your city can function. And a light cannot be hidden. It's not just something that happens, 
you know, the choir gathering together. This happens out there and you put it on a lampstand. This is we make this connection with the seven mountains of society, the seven mountain mandate, the seven mountain message. A lampstand has seven lights. And so confirms Revelation chapter four and five, where John went to heaven. He said, I saw around the throne seven blazing flames of fire. And these are the seven spirits of God. And then it goes on to say, these are the seven spirits of God sent into all the earth. So it's not just he gives us an assignment. He gives us an assignment and he has seven blazing spirits of God sent with us to accompany us on this assignment. So if you look at the seven, I can't put my hand in it. There we go. We got seven. You know, it always goes backwards when you do it. The seven candlesticks, the seven, we connect to the seven mountains. He's like, and so it's not just about telling people that Jesus saves. You got to tell them Jesus is communicator, mountain of media. Jesus is provider and provision, mountain of economy. Jesus is the, te the teacher, the revelator, mountain of education. Jesus is Papa. God is Papa, mountain of uh, family. Uh, Jesus is the creative one, the source of creation. God is the creator, mountain of arts and entertainment. He's the ruler. He's the king, mountain of government. Yes, he's also, he's redeemer, mountain of religion. We have to see him in his seven-spirited beauty. He is the desire of the nations, as it tells us as well. So as we close this part of the teaching, Steve, it, it, we, want, we want to understand that this is Jesus speaking to his first crowd who are not saved. And he tells them, you are the salt, you are the light. This is the last uh, key element we want to, um, to look at. It's like we go, yeah, we're the light because we have the Holy Spirit and we have Jesus in us. They didn't have Jesus or the Holy Spirit as far as inside of them, right? This is not heresy we're going over. We're just we're just identifying what what is clearly revealed to us in this scripture. He calls them the light of the world, though they're not saved or filled with the Holy Spirit. I thought I thought it was supposed to be original sin. We're we're pitiful creatures. We're nothing. We're worthless. We're sinners in the hang hand of an angry God. Well, that's a distortion because before original sin, original sin just means you're born in sin from your natural parents. Yes, but that's not where you originated. You originated from the heart of the father. He's the father of lights before original sin is original glory, original design. So he speaks, he communicates to his first crowd and he does not tell them they are filthy sinners. And it's barely, you know, God can barely stand them. He's about to throw up. You know, that message from Jonathan Edwards that I don't like at all. Oh, yeah. no. You know, he, he's he, he's not that he doesn't come. He showcases the reality of heaven. And he first of all, it's just all compassion. He's healing. He's loving. And he's telling about his kingdom and it's good news and it's good news and good news. And then he says, hey. The good news uh, continues, you know, uh, and, and the good news continues. And he's so what's he saying? How can he? How can he talk to them as if they're light? He talks to them as if they're light. Get this point. He's speaking to original identity, to original design, to original glory. And what being born again is, what becoming saved is, is where you agree with original identity. Because that is your original identity. You are born, initiated, thought of by the Father. He's the Father of lights. And no matter what your natural parents no matter if, you know, if you came as a product of incest, no matter if you're abused, mm. no matter what happened by your parents, your grandparents, anybody around you, your origin is from his heart. And he speaks to us still today and he says, you are the light of the world. 
I know what I put in you. I know you would be surrounded by challenges and difficulties, but you are the light of the world. Let your light, let our light, because when he says let your light, he's saying let our light, because that's how we have light. Let our light, let your light shine before men, before men. That's like calms, not in the four walls of the church. He's not saying don't do it in church, don't go to church, but he's like, you were made to show up in society. In the seven areas where the candlesticks are, you were made for that. Let your light, your solutions, the presence that you bring, uh, uh, um, the, the, the healing dynamic of the kingdom. The kingdom comes and it can heal anything. It can heal a person. It can heal a business. It can heal a city. It can heal a nation. It can heal anything. And he's saying, hey, sons and daughters of mine, you're all my sons and daughters align with me and we can reveal this kingdom. And this is how this beast, this antichrist beast, this antichrist image that Daniel saw gets fully crushed and demolished. And this is the third day when I've been saying over and over the era we're entering into is the era of the kingdom, the kingdom age. We call it the era or the age and, and we can have some arguments on, on either one of those. That's not the point. It's, it's the day three of the kingdom. It's the day three of the That's kingdom good. where he raises us up to live. And so we're seeing the, the, the enemy that he's demolishing is scary. So it's like, oh, my goodness, they're still trying to kill us. They are killing some of us. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's World War Three. It's the biggest. It's the biggest ever. It's at a global level. But this is a narrative he's invited us to be a part of. This is the privilege uh, we have at this time. And so uh, I'm I'm hoping every one of you that was with us last week understands this as the follow up of how this all works, works together. That's good. I hope those people will go back and and watch uh, last week's program. It's really got a lot of views, uh, as is the one with... uh, uh, Let's see, not Derek, but STNON. Okay, I have a question for you. Okay, kind of along the lines of what we were talking about before the show started, where we have patriots who we don't ask them, have you received Jesus Christ? We don't ask them their theology. Uh, and I said some believe in um, uh, aliens, but but a, ge- a generic um, description might be that a, a great number of patriots, I mean really devoted Love Trump patriots uh, are New Age uh, people, um, and and so they they don't have many of our theologies. They don't necessarily say that they've received Jesus Christ as their Savior, but they're New Age. So Emily, put that scripture up that I asked you to post, and let's, I'm going to read that part of it. Um, the, the question is going to be, how then do we live? How then do we see these things? So this is Mark nine, but Jesus said, "Do not forbid him." So someone was speaking in his name. And Jesus said, don't forbid him, for no one who works a miracle in my name can soon afterwards speak evil of me. Uh, Then for he who is not against us is on our side. Okay, so that's that's probably good right there. Um, So I want to get one more example. Uh, There was a centurion. I think it was his servant that was sick comes to Jesus. Jesus says, I'll go ahead and come on over there and fix that. I'm paraphrasing. Yeah. And he says, don't, you know, you don't even need to come to my door. I know how this thing works. I'm a man under authority. Uh, Rabbi, just speak the word. He's Now he's a Gentile, heathen, unborn again. He says, just speak the word. 
and my servant will, will, will be healed. And Jesus said, I have not found this kind of faith in Israel. He said, I have not found this kind of faith in Israel. And this is a Gentile that, as far as we know, is unsaved. So talk a little bit about this whole dynamic, about dealing with people who are not against us but have completely different views. Well, in a way, it is quite self-explanatory. And I know people can bring up, you know, we'll say greater violations. Well, there's people who are doing that, but they're doing, uh, we, we understand that evil people also disguise themselves by doing a few good things. And, and, but Jesus was covering a different, a different base here. We'll, we'll say it there. And, and it's interesting. The only way I have, um, it's not the only way, but I understand how I remember the first time where I went, I was, you know, my book, Seven Mountain Prophecy. And and um, I was thinking it was the only, you know, the only thing out there on the seven mountains and whatever. Well, for this part, it was, you know, I ran a, I ran into somebody in Central America who says, you know, I got your book when you first put it out and I've got a university and I've got 3000 students and I've got it named under this is a seven mountain university. And I'd never heard of it before. And there's like, I was like, really, goodness, he didn't, he didn't check with me. He didn't do any, he just went with it. And, and there's something, I think the disciples were like, Hey, he didn't check in with headquarters first. He's just, you know, he's just heard you speak somewhere on the authority that believers have. And those in my name, they shall do this. And they're just doing it. And Jesus is like, yeah, that's the idea. This thing's supposed to go viral. You're not supposed to have to micromanage everything that takes place. And so I think that's, you know, uh, a primary understanding that's healthy for us today. But there is, I think, you know, we have to look at it this way in, in, in the way you discussed it earlier on too, Steve, is that, you know, we, especially with the, what is true and what is real being so convoluted where we don't really know on some things like being too, um, too definitive in our own mind that, okay, this person, they're wrong on this one. And so therefore we can't have them on our side. Yeah. This whole, you know, that's, that's kind of plagued the church for a long time. Yeah, they baptize. I mean, it used to be way worse. They kill each other over it. Like they don't do communion. Right. So not only do we not fellowship with them, we're going to go to war with them. Jeez. Like how, how ridiculous that is. And, and so it was like, well, they allow women to, to speak in church. And so therefore we can't associate with them. And so we lose all kinds of co-labors, all kinds of kingdom camaraderie, kingdom partnership that could exist by making these um, pharisaical uh, definite, uh, you know, points of departure definitions that separate us unnecessarily. Yeah. And I understand the ditch on the other side. People say, well, we're, we don't want to be ecumenism where we're in one with people who are, yeah, we don't want to be one with people who are actually Luciferian. Yes. Yes. Agreed. But let, there's a, there's the sensible middle road that Jesus is presenting to us here. Okay. So, um, and, and, uh, so, I uh, let me just ask you one other way, make sure I'm triangulating this. Uh, so we are not to be threatened by non-enemies if their theology is completely wrong. In other words, I'm talking about patriots now who have completely different viewpoints. We're not to be threatened, but in, in it's okay to be even close friends or friends 
uh, like we're doing with Patri with the Patriots. I'm just, you know, people are going, well, I was always taught, you know, peculiar people, you, you know, you don't associate yourself, you know, which is kind of an old model. But can you just expand that a little bit? Well, I think perhaps the bigger point here, there's a time for everything. Okay. For every purpose under the sun, it says in Ecclesiastes, there's a time to build and there's a time to tear down. And this is not the time to go over excessive scrutinizing of scriptures. We are needing people who agree on let's fight for freedom. Let's fight for life. And, and we do not want to be cutting off members of the body of Christ or even not the body of Christ, even new agers or whoever else you think of as a false religion. If they are fighting in defense of life, if they are fighting for freedom, um, basic human rights, we we do not need to be separating ourselves, especially, I just say it's unnecessarily, it's the wrong time for that. This That's is good. not a time where he's going over, you know, the fine, well, this doctrine, the Lord is clearly not going over that. That's not the Holy Spirit's um, focus at this time. It's not the focus that's just quite self-evidently obvious for us all. There's, we have a group of Luciferian killers on the loose that have yeah. managed to take over the top of the seven mountains they're criminals operating at the top levels of power in every area in society every nation on the planet we need anyone who will resist that anyone who will fight against that whether they have the the dotted you know the i dotted and the t cross right mm -hmm. on other aspects is really what you know whether they interact too much with angels don't believe in angels don't listen to uh, they believe music's from the devil whatever let's find the common ground that is necessary for this battle for freedom and life itself on the planet that's good that's good all right here's the question we got a time for a couple of quick questions here um now I, i'm going to i'm going to preface this by saying you and i are patriots you and I, uh, we do see Patriot sites. We do have information, but you've been very careful if you if you give something to to say this is not revelation, this is whatever, however you call it, and then there's revelation. So if if, if I'm saying that right, uh, I think that's about right. First of all, is that right? You, that's you that's correct. I try to make it clear when I'm giving a prophetic word and when i'm giving a perspective that might be considered an apostolic perspective yeah or my opinion perspective yeah when i talk to a prophetic person or a prophet i want to know that they they have an uh, you know an idea of what's going on in the world and even some wise opinions but then i want their revelation so raz is asking has the lord shown you this is for you uh, or do you have any intel or any ideas on the new financial system that's coming or the wealth transfer and how it might play out. So that's kind of a generalized. Well, what I do understand is, you know, I was looking at my prophetic words back from in 2015. I was spoke that there, and I didn't even know Trump was a possibility. I said, there's going to be someone strong in government that's going to come and he's going to, uh, there's a whole new economy that is coming. And there will be a whole new uh, military strength that will be coming. And, and again, I realized that I saw just bits and pieces of what was coming. And then my, my, um, my book, The End of the World as We Know It from two years ago, this is before I was hearing about um, all the parts that we've heard since then, that there is 
I talked about maybe a whole chapter on the age of abundance that's coming and that the ultimate test is not does God have a people who will serve him when they're starving and needy and in survival because the dynamic that I've observed, you know, throughout my life is I, we've, we've done the run of prisons and particularly if it's pre-sentencing stage, every prisoner will raise his hand practically. I say everyone and receive Jesus. They're ready to bargain. They want to get Jesus to get him off and get him a low sentence and stuff like that. And, and we, this is a dynamic around the world when people are in starvation. And particularly if anybody who's bringing the gospel will also bring them some food and some water or something else, we'll, co-op, we'll cooperate. And it's not the ultimate test of loyalty if we'll follow Jesus when we're in distress. The ultimate test is will we follow him when we're in prosperity. And that's, he cannot have a bride, a spotless bride that is mature without having a spotless, a bride that knows how to function in prosperity, function in prosperity, not be turned to the prosperity, but knows how to use it as a channel of advancing this kingdom. That's why it almost can't happen without the kingdom perspective I'm bringing. When we have the kingdom perspective, that's why I think the funds are coming. The kingdom finances are coming because this kingdom vision is getting out there. This is that Isaiah 61, you will rebuild ruined cities, spoil, you know, generations that have been damaged for multiple generations. The spirit of the sovereign Lord's upon you with a fresh anointing for your message, but the spirit of the sovereign Lord's with you with a fresh uh, anointing of prosperity. And it'll come in in all kinds of different ways. I do believe there is much going on behind the scenes. Um, I do believe he gave me, you know, the RV is something. And it's real. It's not fake. And and uh, revaluation of currencies, the lack of revaluation of currencies is 100 percent injustice. It, it's not just is there, a, you know, it's a utopian dream that there is a revaluation. They literally have been suppressed by deep state elements that have been conspiring together. And so there are nations who have suffered economically because manipulators, the central bankers and those connected to the Luciferian cult have manipulated things to keep them depressed through actually uh, devaluing their currency. So that part is just a, a justice part of God that has to come. And I do believe we are in the very throes of behind the scene adjustment, the takedown, this Roman beast that's been there all the way from Daniel's, he saw uh, Daniel, it wasn't there in Daniel, but Daniel saw it from it was like 150 years before Christ. This has been ruling and reigning through the central bankers, been a connection with the Vatican bankers, UK, uh, um, um, City of London Bank. This banking system, yeah. there is no way that we are going into victory without that coming down. That is being shredded, torn down behind the scenes. They're in the final stages of, uh, you know, they're war, the war from the, the losers are, um, you know, I still, the, the Lord, what he spoke to me a few weeks ago is like, it's done. They're in there. It's like, you know, you cut off the head of animals when they're dying. I know this is a, a violent thing, but I used to yeah. do live on the farm. We cut the head off the chicken. The chicken would kick the most. The kick chicken was the, the strongest once his head was off, but it was Crazy. actually. I've seen that exactly, with my own eyes. <laughs> it's actually dead. So there's there is something that's dead and and it's kicking and it's dangerous even as kicking. Um, and and so but this is part of what God is doing. And it, it is it is it is for sure coming. It's going to bring a whole 
Next level of testing. There is the testing of abundance. You find that in scripture. There is King Uzziah. He was great. It said, but when he was in prosperity and abundance, he was pulled aside to his own uh, you know, downfall. And we saw King Solomon almost be too blessed, too prosperous. And if you don't understand, you're a channel, you're a channel, you're a channel for the kingdom. That's why if you miss that the king is about his kingdom and you're here, you're salt and light for that kingdom. If you ever separate who you are about from that assignment, from that call of being salt and light for the king's kingdom, then then that's when you rot yourself with the economic yeah. blessing that comes your way. I, I, I'm quite certain you can comment on this and say, I, I'm quite certain that both silver and gold are, have been suppressed for years and years. It's much more valuable and that that's going to be released. But John, let's end with this. But Johnny, years ago, six, seven years ago, you had a word. It's probably when I first started taking note, who is this Johnny Enlow? And why did he have a word about gold being discovered in the Sierra Mountains or something in California? Do you remember that word you had? And what, what are your thoughts about that? Yeah. And, you know, for California, I remember just for the state there, I said the next there's a there's a gold rush that the Lord showed me that. Uh, more than 90% of the gold of California had not yet even been discovered. Really? <laughs> that there was enough gold there to pay uh, the national debt off easily. And I also followed it up by saying there is actually some sort of device out there. It's sort of like, uh, I'm trying to remember how I what I called it, that will actually read gold underground and can... Do, and, and can um, it's like an it's not an infrared. I had a hard time even de- describing what it will like do. Ground ground penetrating something radar. technology to yeah. that. And I said this is going to be um, vital as well. And it will be seen that it is already it's there, just waiting to be discovered. Well, I had somebody contact me <clears throat> within a couple or a few days of that <clears throat> prophetic word. Somebody who worked for the Pentagon and had been involved in forming and creating the technology that is uh, is used on on many fronts and he just told me he's like i myself he himself had the uh, technology uh, that will read soil up to 29 miles deep and he said i can Whoa. assure you yeah the problem <laughs> is it, it depended on satellite i don't even know if i should tell it. i usually don't tell it but it's been long enough uh, and I'll try to keep it. Um, sure, no, go ahead. Um, uh, yet I'm trying not to tell too much, but the, it, it uses a satellite system that costs a million dollars an hour or something like that. So it's expensive to use. But he says, I can assure you, I've already seen California has quadrillions of gold um, in Whoa. it. Like what you're hearing? Help us continue to make Elijah Streams and the Elijah Streams podcast possible. Head to ElijahStreams.com slash give. Now, back to the show. And so I had that confirmation quickly. And then we realized there was no point at that time turning that information or the technology to anybody because we had this Luciferian cult running things. And so that wouldn't do anybody. Yeah, at the wrong time. What did you say to the person that says, I am so sick of the governor in California. I want to get to Texas or Florida or one of those states. Uh, uh, I want out of here. And, and at the same time, you just said quadrillions are coming to California. What would you say to someone that says, I want out of California. I want to move away. I can't t- take the debt anymore. Well, 
and I didn't specifically say quadrillions are coming to California, but quadrillions of gold are in underground there, but that's not all. There's so much more really. In fact, in light of what we know and what I feel I know, there is so much resource that the challenge moving forward is just a proper stewardship of it and, and it, it, it not being used to our, our destruction. There is, I remember that was a question back in those days I asked the Lord because there was the, the, the world report was um, that, you know, there's not enough liquidity. And so, and the idea was, and so I had this honest conversation with the Lord is like, Lord, could you, would you make a world where there's literally not enough funds to go around? Whoa. uh, um, Whoa. Is that even possible? And so I heard him, he, he laughed. And then he said, the whole earth is full of my glory. And it's like, it does say will be filled, but it already is. He said, there is so much more resource than you imagine. And he said, it's similar. The kingdom of God is like a treasure hid in the field. Most people haven't found it. Even yeah. how you teach on the prophetic, you teach, you got to look for the gold that's in people. And that's the hard thing because you see all the dirt and all the other. And you actually have to dig. And he said, in that same way, there is treasure both in people and treasure in the world that has not yet been recognized. And so it's an artificial lack that you have. It's the same lack you have in people. You don't have people who can see in the spirit and call the gold out in people. You don't have the instruments are not being used to um, recognize the treasure that's there and call it, call it forth. Okay. I got to ask one more now. That's just the, the, okay. Jesus said the poor will always be with you, but he didn't say 80% of abject poverty people on the earth will always be with you. Right. What, what, what would you say about what the earth is going to look like while we're still here? I mean, before, I mean, I guess I'm, I guess I'm going to ask as the kingdom begins to take over, uh, how much prosperity do you see on the earth? Well, the kingdom, that's the deal is as the kingdom, when it says nations will walk to the light of the son of sons of God. I was looking for my book, book here that no longer is in print, but I, I will, I will tell you. Seven mountain Renaissance vision and strategy through 2050. Wow. That was written in 2015. Actually the notes on it began in 2012. Because uh, that's when I, I was announcing the new the new kingdom age had was beginning. <clears throat> but I write there and, and I say by the year 2050, there will be 50 nations that primarily operate to the light of the sons of God. And um, and so that's you have to understand that's a narrative I've been contending and holding out for for a while. But I knew some shock had to come to the church. That, Johnny, do you mean no poverty in 50 nations? What do you what do you mean by that? Well, it just means. Here's the deal. Why? Why the poverty? While the poor you will always have with you can mm-hmm. never ensure no poverty, because even we have stars, we have multimillionaires that are filing bankruptcy all the time. Why? They will gamble it away. They'll drink it away. They will, you know, cocaine it away. They will, you can, you can have plenty and still be such a horrible steward. And you have your own life in such disarray that even with plenty, you're without. So that's one reason why the poor um, you will always have with you. Because even if I can tell you right now, the whole earth has more than plenty. I happen to know there is enough 
on planet Earth of resources for every person on the Earth to be a multimillionaire. Really? Really? That's, You're serious? I'm so serious. <laughs> uh, um, I'll just, you know, and, and those who've heard some, you know, there's, I say, significant intel of the abundance. I'm in personally in touch with somebody who is personally, and I shouldn't, I can't say too much. I'll just say, I know this not just by revelation. Okay. Um, I, I know by reality that there is enough in this earth for every single person on earth to be a multimillionaire. But if the multimillions were just evenly distributed among everybody, number one, there would be a, a skyrocketing inflation because that's not what we need. Um, we need the resources to strategically be brought in in a sequential, gradual way, and they need to be building infrastructure and other things. Well, that's, that's going good. down. No, that's good. Time. That's good because it's not just to enrich people. As they, there's things to fix. <clears throat> things to fix. There are devastated nations that need to be rebuilt. Um, you know, I, I have a great love for the nation of Peru where I was born. My parents were missionaries there. And so, yeah, I would like to see every, every dirt road, uh, turned into, you know, pavement. I would like to see every city have running water. I would like to see every, uh, all bridges that are about to fall apart, be fixed and repaired. I would like to see, you know, all the central parks that every city has beautiful and those don't evenly distribute resources among people where it would be somebody just has too much cash now and they're causing all the prices of everything to skyrocket. Because you can imagine if everybody becomes an instant multimillionaire, then the house that was, you know, $500,000 all of a sudden is going for $10 million. And yeah, it's, yeah it's that's a problem longer. too. Okay, and one last, one last question, sorry, but we're, we're okay. Um, I was in Nigeria with my wife in 2000, spoke at a conference there. It was an it was an Africa wide conference for leaders, and so they drove us around. It was outside of Lagos, but it was I think I got the intention. It, it was toward the coast because I remember seeing the coast in the distance, but it was abject poverty. If you'd go around and you'd see both men and women peeing on the streets because that's how they did it. Uh, and where the water sources where the people could get at to, it says on the building, don't pee here. That's the kind of, and, and the trash wasn't picked up. It was put on city blocks and burned, publicly burned. Everyone brought their trash. And so there's always smoke in the air because people were burning their trash. I think I know what you're talking about. I've yeah. Been and so then we went to the coastal area in the same city and there's a big old fence that people, I probably had barbed wire. I don't remember. And there was, I won't, I think I remember the name of the uh, oil company, but I'm not going to say it. A big old oil company on the other side of the fence and the grass was beautifully green. And there were these massive structures and the oil company was there raping the land of the people and they weren't getting it. What do you see happening with that as we go, as the kingdom advances? Well, that's, you know, there's a, a thorough application of uh, the justice of God coming in. And and there are several dynamics that are taking place there as well. And, and there is, uh, that definitely happens. Uh, the nation of Peru as well find out that there is, you know, I, I prophesied gold mines and silver mines and things being discovered. And they were. 
And then, but then there's protests from the people around those places where there's discovery because <clears throat> they are given token amount of, it hasn't been used to upgrade them. So yeah. you have the people that come in. And so you have the thieves at the top. This has been taking place. This is the injustice that has to be addressed. The kingdom of God is for that as well. Those who hunger and thirst for justice as the kingdom advances with his sons and daughters. We don't just wait for Jesus one day to do that. He's saying, hey, arise, shine. You are the light. You are the salt. And, and so we, we arise. Citizens of the king have to arise, not just say, let's have a crusade and see who else will raise his hand. But let's see who will raise up and actually, you know, do what's 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 necessary. I'm not saying by do what's necessary, inciting to any kind of violence. There's all kinds of ways to prick the conscience of people that are in, in those kind of all those kinds of uh, positions. But, uh, you know, I don't know that specific setup you're talking about. I think we can presume there is corruption and injustice there. It exists all over the world in that dynamic. And it's it's not like it's going to be even when we get activated as sons and daughters of the king. It's not like it all goes away in an instant. But that's why it's like the assignment is just waiting for us. Yeah. Uh, the assignment of cleanup of the world and so that it could shine on earth as yeah. it is in heaven. It doesn't say yeah. on earth, you know, a little token here or there, a little Garden of Eden somewhere. No. He says, pray, contend, believe, challenge for Father, let your kingdom come yeah. on earth as it is in heaven. And that's after he's already made it clear. He's not just let it, you know, let it. He's like, you are the salt. You are the light. So he's saying, let it. But you're part of how this happens. And so this is the part we have to uh, wake up to. And this is the part we are waking up to. So good. Sally, would you pray for the people as we go out? We went over time, but I think it was all really good and important. So. Amen. Lord, we yeah. just thank you for what you're doing in this time. We thank you, Lord, um, for how you're uh, you're causing your sons and daughters to arise worldwide. Lord, there's something there is an awakening. There's an awakening of a recognition of this meta narrative that I'm been sharing, Lord, of your kingdom and how we uh, how we align, how we partner, how we cooperate with the king, with you, the king in seeing the kingdom of God released on earth how we receive the kingdom, how we manifest the kingdom of God. Lord, I just pray that your encouragement will be released over the, uh, over the airwaves right now. Lord, those who are watching, those who are listening, let your encouragement be released to your sons and daughters. Let there be a further awakening of your sons and daughters in the same way you awakened your, uh, that crowd, that original crowd with your original messaging. Let the message of today, Lord, that be part of awakening, awakening your sons and daughters to proper kingdom representation. It's not about doing, it's about representing the king, the privilege of representing you and your healing ways. You have the power to heal anything and everything. And we ask that that be released to your sons and daughters, Lord. Let the dreams of those who are listening be in, uh, invaded, Lord, both in the natural and in the processing dreams. Yeah. Let, let their dream world be invaded with kingdom uh, light with kingdom light, kingdom solutions, kingdom thoughts. Yes. And Lord, I just thank you that you are doing that. Thank you for releasing that right now. Yeah. The encouragement you're releasing, heal your sons and daughters who are sick right now. Let your power come. Your kingdom comes. And the first manifestation of it is 
healing. Let yeah. that healing be released on your sons and daughters who need it right now. Let them feel it come through their body yeah. right now from the top of their head to the sole of their feet, Lord. Let your warmth, let your passion, let your fire, let your healing oil come. We thank you for that, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen and amen. All right, we're going to get out of here. A quick reminder that tomorrow's Wednesdays with Cat and Steve. Lots and lots of good stuff. We appreciate you watching. Sorry we went over time. Have a great rest of the day, and we will see you all again tomorrow. T -t Today uh, at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern, we have the second show with Johnny. So uh, don't miss that. It's going to be very, very good. So, All right, we'll see you all again uh, this afternoon. Bye-bye. This has been Elijah Streams. Thanks for listening. For more episodes like this, you can listen to the Elijah Streams podcast at ElijahStreams.com on Apple, Google, and Spotify. Join us live every weekday at 11 a.m. Pacific time at ElijahStreams.com on Rumble and Facebook. Elijah Streams is part of Elijah List Ministries. Go to ElijahStreams.com slash give to become a partner today.